Hi, my name is Caroline, and I'm so glad that you're joining us on our Grace Journey podcast. At Grace Church, we are all about knowing God and reflecting His way. I hope this sermon will do just that by feeding your mind with the knowledge of God and engaging your heart to live a life reflecting His grace and truth. met him before, but it's been a few is Father Adam Young. Father Adam is the chaplain at uh, the Chapel of the Incarnation in Gainesville. He's chaplain basically to all of you at. That's a small job. Not much to do. You know, doesn't keep busy or anything. Uh, but we're delighted to have him with us here again this week. So I'd just like to pray for you real quick, Adam, before we, before we go. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for Adam. I thank you for his heart for you, his love for these students you sent him to. And I thank you for the opportunity and the joy to have him with us this morning. So I pray that as he goes into this sermon, that you would go with him, and that as we listen to Adam, that it's your word we'll hear. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Caroline. Uh, thank you, Mary, and Reverend Jonathan, who's uh, enjoying a respite away this weekend. Um, it's good to be with you again, Grace Ocala. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, so, some of you have been up to Chapel the Incarnation. Some of you have blessed our church community and blessed the students by bringing meals uh, regularly. Uh, and so we're just so thankful for the ministry here at Grace. Jonathan, uh, what it said that you guys are in the middle of uh, stewardship season. That's uh, October is a great time in the church liturgical calendar year. Um, but talking about faithfulness, the faithfulness of God, responding to his faithfulness. And I wanted us to look at this Old Testament account that we had in our reading this morning. Jeremiah 29. God's people, the Israelites, they're in exile. They have been banished from their land, carried off by their enemies. Uh, they, they find themselves um, in a strange place among strange people, people that are their enemies. And Jeremiah is writing this letter to these exiles, to this community of people. They're, they're worried about what are we to do now? What is life going to look like next? There was a movie a few years back starring Kevin Kline, and uh, it was called Life as a House. And in this movie, uh, Kevin plays George. And George is a man who has been diagnosed with terminal cancer. And he's facing, uh, facing the end. But he lives in this house that is overseeing a pristine, beautiful oceanfront view on the cliffs of the Pacific Ocean. It is a beautiful scene and setting in this neighborhood, and yet his house has fallen into disrepair. It has vines growing up, of it, up all over it. Uh, it's dilapidated, falling apart. It is a blight to the neighborhood. His neighbors are upset about it. In a lot of ways, his house is a sacramental sign, an outward expression of an inward reality because his life has fallen apart. Not only does he have a terminal disease, but his wife has left him and remarried another man and is enjoying that new marriage. His son, teenage son, is now out prostituting himself and hates his father. His relationships are in tattered. Are tattered. His, his, uh, his house is falling apart. And it's a beautiful movie because he starts to find a purpose. He starts to find um, um, a sense of, of 
um, living with intentionality. And so he begins to rebuild this, this ruined home. He starts on this project. And spoiler alert, his son and ex-wife kind of come alongside him. And you see these relationships start to, start to be repaired as they work together towards this, this project, towards this idea of how can we make this house beautiful again to match the setting that it's in. He's not pretending that the pain is not there, but he's entering into the joy of having a bigger story to live into. He's moving towards faithful flourishing in his time and place. And that's what Jeremiah's letter largely is telling the covenant community in Jeremiah 29. Though everything looks like it's upside down and in disarray, though painful as the reality is, you've been exiled from your home Uh, You're no longer close to the temple, which was the visible sign of God's presence among His people. Though you don't have that, know that you have much and you have purpose here. Uh, You're probably familiar with how Psalm 23 famously begins. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That certainly would have been ringing in the ears of these exiles. And this morning, it has to inform part of what we're hearing here that There's a vision for a flourishing life and it starts with those two things. The presence of God and the provision of God. That's always our starting place. And that's also the starting place of our Gospel reading of the lepers being healed of their diseases. They are in need. They need the presence and the power and the provision of God in their own life, in their day, in their time. So so here's a few instructions Jeremiah gives the covenant community at that time. And perhaps it's informative for us today. How are we to live? Here's what he says. Build some houses and plant some gardens. Doesn't sound that spiritual, does it? Like, okay, build places to live in and like take root. Deepen your roots in your place. Like, stay a while. You're not just passing through, but become part of the fabric of this community. Uh, In other words... If we were to reflect back on Genesis 1 and the creation of Adam and Eve, man and woman, in the image of God, the first instruction He gives them is to subdue the earth. Work the earth. Tend to the plants and the crops. Cultivate and create culture. God is a creative God and He's invited you using the skills and the personality and the temperament and the abilities that we bring to Create culture wherever we go. We all create culture, um, both intentionally and just as a byproduct of being. Jeremiah is saying, live in these houses. Build gardens. Tend to them. Okay, Build something in your time and place. But then second, he says, cultivate a home life. Like, get married. Let your sons and daughters get married and let them have kids. Continue to live in this place for generations. He's preparing them for a long haul. This exile isn't just a temporary status, though historically it was temporary to some degree, but he's telling these people, hey, you're going to be here a long time. Have kids. Flourish in your community. Now, that's a a great instruction, and again, God told Adam and Eve to multiply and be fruitful, right? Increase numerically on the earth. Express the image of God all across the earth. Many of us are either not in a season where we're capable of doing that, or maybe won't get the chance or opportunity. And yet, 
If you're here in this space, you know that Grace Ocala is a church family as much as anything. It's putting people together in relationship towards a common vision, a common way of being in the world. When you have trouble or hardship or need, you can turn to your friends, your brothers and sisters in Christ here at Grace Ocala. This is a family unit, a community. And beyond here is downtown Ocala and the surrounding community. How you relate to this community. Being fruitful, multiplying, extending the tent pegs as it were. Seeing how you can bless and encourage life outside of even these walls. And and that's, that's the third instruction Jeremiah gives. He says, pray for the peace of Babylon. Pray for the peace, the welfare of this place. And that word about welfare, it's more Hebrew sense of shalom. It's a wholeness. It's a completeness. Body, mind, and soul in every way. Seek the blessing of the people in this place. Now this was a huge task because it was telling a Jewish person who had been brought, yanked out at violent force by their enemies, saying, bless your enemies. Bless the ones you live among. Take opportunity to extend generosity and goodness here in this place. You know, we're all passengers on the ship, so we we want what's best for the ship, right? And this voyage. What does that look like for your relationship to your neighbors here in Ocala? Seeking their common welfare, being good citizens, good neighbors. The great commandment, love God and love your neighbor. They go hand in hand, do they not? Our vertical, how we relate to God, informs how we relate to one another, relating to our neighbors. Towards a faithful flourishing. Being grounded and invested where you are. And I know Grace Ocala has a rich history and, and idea of how, what it means to bless and enrich the wider Ocala area. You're here for a reason. Now, when I moved to Orlando a few years ago from, I was in Birmingham, Alabama, I had friends and family from Alabama and Georgia who were like, oh, you're moving to Orlando, Mickey Mouse, right? Disney World. Um, you know, my friends thought we'd be riding rides all day and like doing backstrokes with the flamingos and just having a really grand old time in Florida. And I had to tell them, no, 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 we're, this is a daily battle for survival as we fight the humidity and the mosquitoes. You know, uh, we, uh, I'm, you know, we've had to invest in large amounts of DEET and antiperspirant. This is not a day at Disney World. So a day at Disney World often sounds to me like the third ring of hell. But that's for another day. Um, and, I, and truthfully, uh, most of my life often feels like I'm bouncing between like it's a small world after all over and over again and the Mad Hatter's teacups. And I'm just left dizzy and nauseous. That's the problem, isn't it? With these simple instructions to build a house, invest there, live and bless others. Life doesn't always seem to go right. Maybe you resonate with George in that movie I referenced earlier. Life is very difficult. Hardship happens. Things don't go as planned. You might be like my daughter Aiden when she was a toddler and at the beach and built a sandcastle she was so proud of later in the day what had happened. The tide had come in and 
washed her sandcastle away. And I thought, this is a lesson for all of life, sweetie. I know this hurts you now, but there's going to be other sandcastles down the road that you're going to build and construct and have this idea of how life's going to go. Life's going to knock it down. We all know what that's like. Jeremiah is writing to a community that very much poignantly knows what that's like. He's not insensitive to that matter. He's connecting their bigger purpose, their bigger idea, saying, you are indwelling a story that matters, that has real weight. You see, the Old Testament community, while it was sent into exile to bless Babylon, we are now the New Testament community of God who are blessed and sent into the world to bless the world. Whereas Jesus said, we are in the world, but not of the world. The church, this idea of belonging to Jesus, of following His way, it means we're, we're an alternative society in many ways. We're resident aliens. We are provocative people. St. Paul would say our citizenship is not here, but rather in heaven. And the church was always doing countercultural things to push back on the culture that they were in in order to bless them, in order to invite them into a richer story, a better story. One way the early church did that is the communities around them were, were very much about hoarding wealth and using the wealth to flaunt and to separate yourself from those that do not have. They said, hoard your wealth, hoard your money, make as much as you can to separate yourself. And at the same time, they were saying, Give your body away sexually to as many partners as you can. Temple prostitution and the like. These were the communities in which Christianity first started. And we find in some of the letters of Paul instructions where where the apostles were saying, no, 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 you're to hoard your relationship sexually, giving your body only to one partner in covenant of marriage. But when it comes to financial resources and opportunities, you're to elaborately be generous and give those things away. The message of the first church turned those things on their head. We are to be generous people when it comes to helping to resource others and be for their good. That's a countercultural thing. When I think about this, I think as as a pastor, um, praying and reading God's Word, certainly like let's take that as like an automatic. If you're a Christian, I would encourage you to do those things. But if you want to think, how do I, you know, how do I live a more um, faithful life. The two things I tend to tell people, and I'm not great at either of these, so don't follow, do as I say, not as I do, um, is this. Watch less TV and live more generously. If you want to like stand out in your community and look a little different, don't spend as much time sitting in front of the TV and get out and know your neighbors. And then like live open-handedly and go, what does it mean to be a like, partner and a citizen and see my welfare tied to others? as Jeremiah would put it here in this reading. What does that look like? Can you imagine? Some of us don't, you know, it's like Halloween's coming up. That's about the only time some of us see and meet and talk to our neighbors, right? And they're you know, just a few feet away. Um, there, was, there was a guy uh, I recently learned about named John Potter up in Pittsburgh. And he, uh, he decided to get on Reddit and begin to answer people's questions about people had like home repair projects or if they were broken down on the side of the road and needed assistance, he would find them and drive and go help them. He would just start changing tires, fixing things at their houses. 
And it's because he decided one day to say yes to requests. And this is how it happened. He was at a stoplight in Pittsburgh, and a woman came up to his car and said, can you please give me a ride to the women's shelter, the battered women's shelter? And he was in a hurry on his way somewhere. He said, no, I'm sorry, I can't, and he drove off. And then it hit him. Why would I say no to somebody's request like that? And he turned around and went back and found her. And he vowed from that day on forward, I'm going to say yes to requests. So he started saying yes to all these requests, um, entering into people's lives and just helping them here and there. Well, he got famous last month because somebody put out on Instagram, a young girl said, can somebody please donate a kidney to save my father's life? Her father was dying and needed a kidney. So this guy, John, uh, for John Potter, he said, hey, what's your blood type? And he went and got tested, and it was a match. And he gave his kidney away to a stranger. Can you imagine? I don't know if this gentleman was a follower of Christ, but I certainly know that his actions demonstrate that he knows what it means to be grateful for a life that has been richly blessed. And he's seeking to give that away. In many ways, that is the cruciform pattern, isn't it, of Jesus in his life, death, and resurrection. He's constantly giving away and blessing others. He gives his life for the sake of others. He's inviting us not just into a mental ascent that that's true, but into a life because he wants us to have abundant life. A student named Carlton came to me and, uh, at University of Florida and he said, I'm getting all these uh, student loans, or not student loans, he's, he's on scholarship. He said, I'm getting all this scholarship money, and I kind of feel like I have more than I need. And I'm looking around, and I see that there's food insecure people and others around me who I kind of I feel uh, guilty about this. And I was amazed and struck that that even was a thought in his mind as a young, new Christian. And I talked with him about what, what could it mean to live with gratitude for what God's provided here. And he's thinking about what to do with that surplus money. Yeah? It's not going towards beer and Chick-fil-A. That's, that's pretty cool. That is countercultural. Um, my friends Ben and Stephanie lived in New Orleans for a long time. They still do. Um, but when Hurricane Katrina came, it wiped out their community. They were right near the French uh, Quarter ministering in the 8th and 9th wards, which, was, which were devastated by the flooding from Katrina. And they, had, they were at this kind of fork in the road. They'd been there a number of years and thought, is this God saying we need to leave and go do something else somewhere else? Is this the way he wants to dislodge us from this community? And so they started praying, God, what do you want us to do? What would it, what would it look like? And it would be really hard to go back and restart this. Um, and yet maybe you, you're releasing us. And as you may know, if you bring to God two choices, One's really easy, and the other one's, whoa, really hard. Um, sometimes the answer that comes back is, hey, take this harder one. God has a good sense of humor that way. I think. And so Ben and Stephanie decided to go back in, and they restarted a nonprofit ministry and helped lead the rebuild of their community. They ended up helping to get a new church community off the ground that ministered to a needy community within their context. And they're still there to this day. Faithfulness 
following this Jeremiah 29 pattern of putting down roots, investing, and because they're blessed, seeking to find ways to bless others. Because our welfare is tied up with the welfare of those around us. Towards a faithful flourishing. It's because it's not rooted in just do stuff because it sounds good to do, but rather, in, are you located in a bigger story? A story that has real meaning and real purpose and offers real hope. That's what the Gospel of Jesus Christ is about. That's why this leper came back to Jesus after being healed and was like, I'm so grateful. Everything has changed now. My prospects now look so different. God has incarnated Himself among us in the Son of God, in the second person of the Trinity, investing in what truly matters. He's inviting us to invest in things that matter to us. That's what stewardship is all about. It's not about a duty list or a, or a performance checklist. It's about, it's about aligning our hearts and our minds and our lives with the work of Jesus. In our midst. There is a power, it turns out, that's stronger than the disease of leprosy. There's a power that's stronger than death. There's a power that's stronger than the bottom line of the ledger on our budget. The Lord Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. He says, behold, I'm making all things new. Whatever your circumstance, whatever your station in life, know you are called and invited into a much grander story to move towards faithful flourishing. I pray that you'll join me in asking God as we go out into our Babylon pursuit. What does it look like to bless in the name of the Father and the Son? Thanks again for listening. To find out more about what's going on here at Grace Church, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, our website graceocala.org or of course on our campus here in sunny Ocala, Florida. Go in peace.